Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Aristotle. Bending Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 3, Return to Omashu. And we're back again for Season 2, Episode 3 of Bending Not Breaking. I am Sunshine Mayfield. And this is Ben Pruitt. And we have with us, as always, our wonderful producer, Max Gongaware. Say hello, Max Gongaware. Hello, it's good to be back. Uh, are you, so you've, I assume you listened to the first two episodes. Absolutely because not. Because you had to produce them. Well, I'd listen, I, I didn't go back and listen to them, if that's what you're asking. Like you just, you didn't like listen to the content. You're, you're still not traveling along with us on this journey. You mean you're not one of our downloaders and subscribers? I listened to them live as they were happening. What more could you ask of me? <laughs> oh, Ben, where can you download these and listen and follow I mean, and do all that fun stuff? Mine comes on Apple Podcasts, but you can also get it on Stitcher. You can get them on Spotify. That's right. Right? Just BNB underscore pod. That's our Instagram and our Twitter. That's right. I mean, there's just a lot of things you can check out. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at thearchive at gmail.com. I keep saying at thearchive at gmail.com, but like, there's no it's ampersands. It's thearchive. It's the at symbol, right? What's the yeah. fancy name for it? Yeah. Ampersands is the and symbol, Let's right? just say it's called the at symbol. It's the at symbol. So there's no that. The archive Different from the bat signal. Yes. Are you a Batman watcher? Nope. I love the Dark Knight. Do you like superheroes, Max? I mean, I'm sure they're good in in theory. So, uh, if so facto, Aang's a superhero, right? Like, would we call him a superhero? I would you call yeah. ben, would you call Bender's superheroes, or would you say in this universe no so, because they're not? That's a part. Well, it's of not it. even. I would say that it's not the power that makes you the superhero. It makes you super. I think being a superhero implies that you're also a hero. So you have to be. So Aang would be. I would call him a superhero. I think Aang is a superhero. Is Katara a superhero? I think she's super and she's kind of a hero. So yeah, yeah sure. All right, cool. Do y'all think all heroes wear capes or no? Aang doesn't, I do. Aang doesn't wear a cape. I mean, his like. He does not wear a cape. Yeah, but his clothes are kind of capey. I think those are two separate things. You will wear capes on occasion. I wear capes frequently. Yeah. In, in like. To normal Social work settings, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, some people don't know how some to take it. Some people don't like it, yeah. It is what it is. We are looking through this episode um, from a lens of patience. patience. Gotta be pa- Max has to be patient with Ben because he keeps yelling or stepping back or whispering into the microphone, and that causes Max a need to be patient. I thought I've been pretty good this episode so far. So far, so good, Ben. So we'll keep that going. I'm proud of you in this moment. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So patience for me, like, so let's talk patience for a little bit, shall we? Okay, I would but love can you hurry? nothing more. No, I can't hurry. This is gonna. This is gonna be a three-hour episode on patience. I will leave. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for me, I think when I where I see patience in my work is I am a big like big thinker, or at least I think I am, right? So, like, I feel like I've got really big ideas, or I want to change culture, or I want to change, like, these massive processes when I feel like they need to be changed. And a lot of times, I want that faster than might be realistic. Um, And so that causes me to be patient. An example of that is, like, uh, if I'm having a tough parent conversation, 
uh, when I started my career, it was not very unlikely for me to kind of say, oh, yeah, 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 I totally get what you're saying. Yes, this is my solution. This is what we're going to do. And that didn't really go over with the parent very well because I really wasn't listening to them. I was waiting for my turn to speak and feeling like I, like, had the solution before I really was listening to the problem. And that wasn't very good for my programs or the parents that I was working with. And so it took me a lot of time to kind of sit there and be like, no, I have to be, I really have to be patient. I really have to kind of stop waiting to talk, but I've really got to listen to what this That's interesting because what you're describing to me doesn't necessarily feel like patience to me. And bear with me for a second. I, I wonder if you are still just as impatient as you have been, but you know that it is the most efficient way to get through this is by waiting. And therefore, it's not something that you're not, it's not patient. It's that you are trying to get through it as fast as possible and you know the best way to do that. Right? Fair. Yeah. Like, is that true? Yeah, well, because we've talked about before taking the reasonable amount of time to accomplish a task so you don't have to Precisely. spend it. Precisely. But sometimes, I would argue that sometimes that takes a little bit of patience. Sure. So the patience is there... But maybe the act itself isn't a patient It's just act. interesting to think about as a no, concept, I, I right? I agree. Uh, what about you? What about with you? Any Anything in your life where you kind of think of what is patience and what does that really mean? Well, it's interesting because I work for an organization that is much larger than I am. And so when it comes to thinking around things like that, patience is uh, terrifying because, I, again, similar to you, it feels like I can uh, jump to a conclusion and be like, why hasn't this changed yet? Why haven't we dealt with this? And so an example of that is one of the things that I've been working towards in my career has been a little bit more around equity with LBGTQ plus communities. And uh, what I've noticed is... In making uh, sure there's a space for them or making it, sure that like just, we're doing everything in our organization to support them? Or what, what are you referring to? Yes. Okay. Great. And so I think what that has come down to is one example where I felt impatient was around gender pronouns. And so what other things I wanted to do is create a way to make uh, gender pronouns a little bit more explicit in that they are visible and that people can see them so that people feel more included because of that visibility. And so I started putting them in my email signature. And I was then... Your hand got slapped. Fairly promptly told not to. Yeah. And so I felt really impatient with my organization around that because I was trying to move things along. I saw a path to do it, and then I was told not to because it would ruffle feathers. And that's the short way of putting it. There's a, I got a much longer description, but it was one of those things where that was the short version. And I felt really impatient in that moment, and I think that to me has definitely informed how I kind of viewed this episode around patience and what it looks like and how to perceive it and what is and what isn't patience in general. So yeah, that's something that came up for me. Would you say that there are moments where patience itself, I think we always kind of tend to think of patience as a positive attribute. Um, if we're looking at it more as like a neutral attribute, is there times where patience isn't good are there times where impatience is a positive thing in a world where we kind of view that as the opposite, I would argue? So perception is reality. Right. Right. And so in my perspective, I might see Boomy's inaction in this episode as a negative thing. Why you could be doing so much more by being active than you could by sitting in that coffin 
metal coffin that you're sitting in. Yes. Like, I, in, how would you say that inaction is, uh, you know, favors the side of the oppressor, right? That's right. Yeah, so. exactly. And so Ellie Wiesel originally said something along those lines. And so it was one of those things where, for me, it feels like, what could Boomy be doing that is, quote, positive gin versus negative gin or neutral gin? And um, it's really interesting to analyze that. And is that me simply being impatient? Is that me analyzing this situation in a way that makes me feel I'm distracted by that sound? Yeah, what was that? The bird. <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, before we dive in, sorry, if the, it yeah. was distracting and you were di- diverted. Um, before we get into that, we have one of my favorite segments. And Max... Oh, we can't forget about this. And before we get into the episode, we don't want to give too much away because Max has to do Max's Uninformed Recap, um, which I love. Max, you made a request in the first episode that I think Ben was accommodating in the second episode um, of, of having it written down for you um, so that you knew what you were talking about. I think that's cheating, and I'm, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with mine. You just I have, have to, confidence that... You then. have to remember the keywords and remember the scenes. Yeah, no problem. Okay. I think once we get about four or five more episodes into this, you're going to realize your listeners hate this segment, and we're going to stop doing it. So I think that's very possible. We'll find out. I find it funny. We got Let good, us know. I got good feedback after the first one. From one person. Yeah, but that's the only person. That's 100% positive feedback. That was the only person who let us know if they enjoyed this segment or not. Um, if they don't, we'll stop doing it. But, uh, you know, Great. we've got tries. Max? Yeah? Here is the first scene. Okay. The gang mourns the takeover of Amashu, and Aang shares his intent about going to find Boomy, his friend. Sure. Got it. The final scene is Aang brings back baby Tom Tom to the governor and his wife without them seeing him. Do you want me to read those two scenes again one more time? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. make sure our uh, listeners are practicing patience. The gang mourns the takeover of Omashu, and Aang shares his intent to go find Boomy, his friend. And then the final scene is Aang brings uh, baby Tom-Tom back to the governor and his wife without them seeing him. Your five keywords are this. This. Your five keywords start now. Resistance. Got it. Circus. Yep. Trade. Sure. Contagious. Uh oh. And neutral. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You feel you want me to say the five keywords one more time? No, nobody okay. cares. Max, you've got thirty seconds. On your mark. Get set. Remember, this is children friendly. On your mark, get set, go. Okay. All right. So of course, the episode begins with some people mourning something, um, and you know how mourning can be a contagious. Um, thing. It's a feeling that can be contagious, and no matter how much you try to resistance against it, um, these things can happen. Um, the, the the brain is is a bit of a circus, and when you are mourning, um, you know it, it. There's a circus act happening inside of your brain, uh, and then of course, what do you need at a circus? You need some drums, more specifically, some tom toms. So. Um, that's how the Tom Tom comes into play, and that's why Aang bought um, that other person a new Tom Tom, um, and that was the end of the episode. 
I hit at least three of the keywords, and I, I, there was something morning, and there was a Tom Tom. So got, I think I did pretty you well. Hit, you hit resistance, circus, contagious. I don't remember any of the other keywords. Uh, trade and neutral were the other two. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was Ben. You want to give uh, that was a thing, Ben. You want to give the, the real recap? Sure. Uh, you know, Max did really well, but let's just, for instance, go with what actually happened. So, again, we start with Aang, who is in the party, and they see Omashu has been taken over by the Fire Nation. They go in, they buy sewer this time instead of their previous method. And so Sokka is covered in sewer juice and a pentaplus or two, and that leads to them discovering that they leave marks. Eventually, they use that method to get all of the Earth Kingdom outside 15 of... 15 seconds left of omashu they use that method and then they try to rescue boomy for the rest of the episode eventually they trade tom tom back for boomy except azula reneges on the plan they fight ang returns tom tom well done yes all right that is the recap let's dive in where were some moments of patience or impatience for you ben pruitt i think it's interesting to kind of think about the past 100 years for a second so, so are we specifically talking like the intro? Yeah. Okay. So like Katara is talking about how, you know, a hundred years ago this happened. And you have to think about the kind of patience that's required of generations of people. So people had to be patient with the fact that the Avatar was coming or they had to, like, what did people do? Because some people lost hope. Some people stopped believing the Avatar even existed. Uh, he was gone for a hundred years. That's multiple, like, generations of time to where, like, who knows? Do we have an average life expectancy of a majority of these people? No, but we, lacking is, that, is I would assume standard? it's the same, right? Okay. Uh, and so when, when does patience become something else? When does it transform into resentment or disbelief or something else? So, like, I've been patient, and I've been patient, and I've been more patient. And this hasn't happened yet, and so now it turns into I'm going to be upset with you because you haven't met my expectations. And not necessarily upset with someone, but upset with but some set the period. Yeah, the situation, the where they're at. Um, that's interesting. So, is it really? Is does your ability to be patient rely on other people? Well, and is and my things? ability to be patient uh, hinging upon a generous assumption? So. Or is it knowing that there is something that is not generous happening? Like, there's just a lot of things happening. So, like, for instance, I am more likely to be patient if I believe that the Avatar is coming back. If I truly believe that, if I see that there's been a history and I know what's coming, that I'm more likely to be patient and be like, you know what? I see the connectedness and that everything is going to happen for a reason and I can be patient. You have faith there versus if I start to change, if my belief starts to change, if I become resentful, if I become annoyed, I, I bet my ability to be patient drastically changes. Yes. So for me, it's the concept of is patience a value or is it a thing, right? So is it like a thing you feel or an experience or is it a value that you have or is it a little bit of both? Um, and so if patience is a value and say it's a cornerstone value that you have, should it change based off of the actions of others? 
I mean, that's my question. I, like, is one of those things where is this something that is so internal that it's reliant upon just you? What's going on with you? What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? Or is it something that is dependent upon someone else and their actions? Is it a reaction or is it something that is within you and only you? Yeah, and I um, one. Or is it both? And I, and like, I, you know, I think it could be both. Because what I would argue with most with value systems is you should live into your values regardless of the actions around you. Um, the story that I that I really heard with that was um, a friend of mine's uh, parent uh, gave money to um, an individual on the side of the street who was asking for for a handout, and in the car, um, the person who was sitting in the passenger seat was like, "They might go use that for." you know, booze or anything else, which is, I think, a flawed um, thought process anyways. But in this instance, the father responds with, I'm going to live into my values. I can't change what their values are going to be. So regardless, I'm going to live into mine. And one of mine would say that I should behave this way. And so um, if, if your value is patience, I would argue, I think you can maintain that patience regardless of the actions of others that doesn't mean it's easy and that doesn't mean that that's something that you're not gonna have to work to do because i think that over time it really is easy to become like um we could use examples of of me and you living together and me not accomplishing a task and i think for the longest time um there were things that you wanted me to do and we're probably pretty patient on but i had no clear objective that that was something that you wanted and that could have easily turned into resentment or it could have been a moment of, did I let him know? And then you told me or we solved it or we talked about it or we talked through it, but that could have easily been a moment where you resented me through that process. Um, Well, and having lived that, I think that there were times where it did become resentment until I was able to communicate my impatience until I was able to communicate what my expectations were. I went from patient to impatient and i went from impatient to resentful because uh but that was all on me and if i look at it that way as saying that was on me then this the narrative changes versus me blaming you right for your inability to accomplish whatever that was Mm -hmm. right and so i think yeah so i think that plays back that patience is really a value that if you how you got to practice to work at that and so you can maintain that level throughout um throughout an incident like that sure and so i would hope that the people we see it right we saw it uh, during the storm episode of season one where ang meets this couple and the grandfather or that uh the older man who wanted to take fishing like he threw some shame at ang or maybe not shame but definitely some guilt right like of you left you you left like i'm clearly resentful of you you left um and we see a whole shame spiral with Aang right after that. But so it definitely did happen where people became resentful of Aang. Um, so I think that's kind of my point is I, I wanted to bring that up and I wanted to flesh that out a little bit because I want people to be paying attention to their patience and I want them to kind of like know where their line is. Like for, for you, for me, I want to know when my patience starts to bleed into something else. And that's a boundary for me. Yeah. When it starts to become something other than patience, that's a sign that I need to be communicative. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Like that's that you have an awareness of your own personal emotions of saying, I'm feeling impatient right now. That should be a sign or a, a red flag that is there something I'm not doing to live into my values? Do I need to do a better job of speaking? Do I need to be doing a better job of setting clear expectations? Do I yeah. need to be? And I think we all have to deal with that in some way, shape or form, whether your value is patience or whether it's belonging or love yeah. or whatever your cornerstone value is. And let's tie that back again to the episode. Please with, do. With Aang, right? And so Aang is really working towards finding Boomy the entire episode. Like, I gotta find Boomy. I gotta learn earthbending, right? And Boomy is just chilling. Has no sense of urgency, has no sense of trying to get anywhere or do anything because he is claiming this neutral gen of you have to wait and strike at the right moment to do the most damage or to have the most impact. I think what was the quote that I that he says? I, I wrote it down. Um, listening and waiting for the right moment to strike. Yeah. Yeah. And so Boomy is listening and waiting for the right moment to strike, which we don't see the whole picture. Well, that, I was going to say, like, you have to understand what's the narrative that you're telling yourself in this moment. What's the narrative that Boomy's telling himself on this moment? So as the viewer, exactly. what's your narrative, right? So Boomy's, Boomy's inaction, quote-unquote, could actually be an action if it's an active decision for Boomy to say, I am choosing to be inactive in this moment yes. so that I can be active later. That but, itself is not inact inaction. It is him saying, "Nope, I'm staying and laying low." But again, for that right, but from everybody else's perspective, perspective is exactly right. Pers like, at and perception is reality. Perception is reality. My perspective is that you're being lazy. My perspective is that you're, um, you've gone. You're mental now. You've lost your mind. Right? It's like there are so many different stories I could tell myself because I don't have the whole picture and because I don't understand and because I didn't seek to f seek first to understand before making that judgment. Right. And so to me, patience is really nebulous because it's so wrapped up and intermingled with so many other things. And that I just, I, I didn't really catch that until really this discussion. Yeah. One of the, the, the moments for me, um, that, I found a lack of patience, besides just uh, uh, what I would call Azula's entire um, story arc in this episode. Um, <laughs> but um, one moment that I think is really important, or at least that I found a lot of meaning in, was the moment where the baby Tom Tom is with the um, with the resistance outside of the wall once they've escaped, and Guitar's playing with the baby, and Sokka's like takes the weapon from him, and the baby cries, he gives him back, and then it was one of the resistance members, if I'm not mistaken, yep. who says, soon that baby will grow up to uh, grow up and join the Fire Nation army, and that baby will be a killer. Yeah. And Katara responds with, does this baby look like a killer to you? What I pulled from that is, how often are we so impatient and quick to judgment based off of prejudices that we have, based off of our own preconceived notions, that we aren't patient enough to see the time and give that, you know, this person credit in time to grow to see who they really are. Are we, so is, is it patience that allows us to see potential? Yes. Right. Like, can I take the amount of time to say, I'm going to let this preconceived notion stay to the side and realize that like, you're don't you just because you were born into this in this situation, there's no way for me to know how you're going to turn out 18 years in the future. Now, maybe I've got experience of past and seeing kids grow up and join the Fire Nation Army, and they've all, like, they've turned on me, and this is what I have. But for each individual person, that might be very different. And so, but for us outside of the show, how often do we sit there and say, 
Um, you went to this college. I have an entire understanding of people who people like you who go to that college, and so I'm making sure. a judgment on you. Or you're from this city. I know exactly who you are, and I'm going to judge accordingly. Or you're a fan of this sports team. Yeah. So, I mean, it just ultimately, that's that, that hit home for me of, like, how often do we do that? And it seems pretty prevalent that I think that we do it pretty often. And it takes hard work to change those prejudice thoughts or behaviors. Um, but is that patience? And for me, in this moment, I thought I took it as impatience versus patience. But is that what it really is? Well, it's interesting because there are a lot of books and uh, articles, etc., on the concept of like millennials don't have any grit, millennials uh, don't have any discipline, and millennials this, millennials that. And can we just first like talk about the arbitrary line that's drawn that creates these like yeah yeah, yeah totally these totally, demographic totally. Cool, like cool, what cool, like cool. five years in the past, five years in the future? Does it really sh- shape? Because every, every generation before it has said that the next generation is lazy, right? Like, that's yeah. always been a thing. So let's just say there are a lot of articles saying that there are people who are lacking discipline. And the article calls out millennials. Yes. Most of them right now. Right. And so it's interesting, though, uh, because I think that could be tied to a lack of patience. And the reason is people who are older than we are historically have had to do more work to get information information as literally at our fingertips because of smartphones because of a faster internet i remember when i was a kid i literally had to dial up to get internet and it took it was a 15 minute process to get onto the internet much less however long it took to research a topic then my mom bootsy was on the phone and it was busy signal so i actually couldn't get onto the internet it was yeah. a whole ordeal so moral ordeal. of the story is yeah. it's literally bootsy talks on the phone too much in Bootsy is Sunshine's mother, everyone, just in case you didn't know that. Literally, that's her name, Bootsy. Moral of the story is we have information at in our fingertips. We can find it very quickly. And so we are uh, constantly what I think some people would say impatient compared to the previous generation or previous generations. And so does that perspective make it so that we are less patient or are we just and i say we because i i feel that i am impatient when the internet's not working and i can't find something i get impatient and so i say we and i i I just wonder is that a matter of perspective is that the fact that like is me wanting and craving information quickly a negative thing like i just there's a lot of question there and so i part of that too is not to go too deep into it, but, like, time is relative, right? So, like, what is patience for us in a moment of um, you're impatient. You want things immediately. You want things done quickly. Well, at a time where if we're trying to get things done and, you know, with work, I can be impatient, but also because the time frame is more realistic for work to get done in a shorter amount. Of, like, for me to ask for something from someone I work with, because information can be done so quickly – it should be able to get to me faster than if I would have asked for it 10 years ago. Like if I'm asking for a report that I need for you to go pull it up is was probably a more tedious process 10 years ago than it is right now. Well, to me, it just seems like a communication gap again. I think that if I think something is urgent and one of the teens I work with doesn't feel that same sense of urgency, then those things are going to get done at different times. 
for instance, one of my responsibilities while I was in a role, previous role was to raise a lot of money. And so I felt urgency like the day after the previous year's time to fundraise. And so the amount of urgency that I felt was a lot compared to the group that I worked with felt like very little urgency until like the last week where we're like, oh, we only have a week left. I'm like, yeah, we should have been working on this literally all year. And so it's one of those things where like my inability to communicate that sense of urgency prevented us from accomplishing that goal as quickly as we potentially could have. And so seeing that to me as an ability issue is allows me to say, okay, what can I do differently in the future rather than me saying, oh, teens are so like lazy nowadays. They don't do anything, right? But it's a communication gap. It's not a They're teens lazy. are lazy gap. It's values are different. Yes. Or urgency is different. Um, so how, let's bring it back to the show because we see this throughout. Um, yeah, Azula throughout is so the episode. impatient. So, so and we, we've talked about his impatience, you know, is there a time to be impatient? Is there a time to not be impatient? Azula um, doesn't really want to wait for a lot of things. I'm going to set this thing on fire. I'm not going to wait for you to do this show for me. Well, and I think what she does is she takes like this faux patience where she's like, oh, you don't want to come with me? Okay, I'm going to come see your show. And now I'm going to set this on fire. Now I'm going to release all of the animals. And, and then Tylee's like, the universe is sending me a message that circus is not in my future. So, and then Tylee, so do you think that that's what happened? Like, do you think that Tylee was duped into that? Or do you think Tylee was like... Oh, I think she's so smart. Yes, right? So, like, clearly she knew what was going on. No, I think she, yeah, she Tylee didn't... was like, I am not willing to undergo this amount of abuse. And the best way to avoid that kind of abuse... Is to play along. Is to play along. Um, and I wonder if we see future moments of that. Like, is Tylee bad because she is from first glance a positive person of the three girls that come up in this episode it seems like she is the one who is the most defensive fighter yes right and so may who we meet is, is throwing, throwing knives, knives like crazy and it looks like she's trying to kill people yes azula is azula and so she's literally trying to burn people to death and then there's Ty Lee. Who is disarming people? Chi blocking. She's chi blocking, right? And Do literally, we, we, don't, we don't really know that. That's as not of this what point. they called it, right? So, it, but we learn later that it's called chi blocking. And so, at this point, what we see is she's fighting defensively compared to the extreme offense of the other two. And I just find that to be really interesting. So Azul is not patient. Well, let's for a second. It's interesting because at the very beginning, when we first see Azula, is it feels like she uh, bends her pride a little bit to logic because she could like the two older ladies, the twin older ladies, uh, are like you should you have to ditch the royal army and the royal accoutrement because if you don't, you're gonna lose your strike su surprise strike. And Azula's like, you're right. I need a smaller tactical force. And then to me, and so like being impatient, she wants to go faster, right? And so if you're if you're saying by speed, that's impatience. Yeah, well, and so she wants to move quickly. So right. like, right, which so, is not a negative thing. No, it's just a thing. It could have been so, her pride could have gotten in the way, of saying no, we're gonna do this this way, and I want my royal guard with me, and I want to do this, and but no, she like her logical tactical sense allowed her to be like, no, she ain't dumb. Yeah, she's not dumb. She just a little impatient. 
A little impatient. I'm going to say it. She's a little impatient. There's probably some shame in there. What do y'all think? Do y'all think she's patient? Is it, Are we just seeing this differently? Because I see her as impatient. I agree. Max, what do you got any thoughts on, 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 on patience or this episode? I do not. Good talk. Good talk. Cool, cool, cool. I'm cool. always excited to have his input. Yeah, it seems like it's really, really, you know, thought provoking. <laughs> um, this has been fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any any other major things we want to talk? And so we let's. I think we should probably talk Boomy. We have a little bit, right? So I think like we've hit we've covered Boomy enough. Um, so let's let's do this. We've got. Never mind. Ben's holding a finger up at me saying, wait, wait, because I'm being a little impatient. One of the things we didn't really talk about was the Fire Nation governor. Who, like, for all intents and purposes, like, seems like he might be a decent guy. Seems decent, right? Yeah. So it, to, He doesn't it, seem unfair. It's interesting, though, because he also seems like he's not a great tactician. And... He lets all of the Earth Kingdom out. He's like, let him go. Almost like a figurehead who's not yeah, necessarily that's making great calls. That's what it feels calls. like. And so, to me, it's interesting because he, it, it feels whimsy around like, oh, let him go, make him stay. And so, when they go and he realizes he's so quick to blame them for taking his son because his son is missing. And I think it's interesting because he's not very patient with his son's life. As soon as his son is on the line, he is like draws up a trade agreement. He's like, "All right, y'all, we're gonna trade Boomy for him. We're gonna give like he goes straight to what is our most valuable asset, according to that group, and let's trade it for my most valuable asset, right? Which is my son. Yeah, that was a real baby's day out moment for Tom Tom, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm gonna crawl on this windowsill and fall down and land on this tent top. And yeah, then, he almost and, died. And, like slide down this shoot that has cement blocks running through it regularly and like y'all take care of your children watch them you know baby proofing your house is important rounded tables with edges yeah max how are you as a baby uh pretty good yeah no like no stories that your mother told you about like you misbehaving or like trying to climb into a pool or anything like that do you climb into a pool i think so i think of like baby proof fencing that's on the side of the pool so you have to like climb over the baby proof fencing i was not that advanced of a baby I, I think i was good my first word was balloon nice huh. i don't know what my first word was tom tom's first word was <laughs> i don't think that constitutes as a word please don't yell like that it's in the dictionary <laughs> um anything else we haven't really talked about pentapox or the resistance or anything else like that and that's mainly because I, I don't know if there's a patience thing that goes with it maybe there is and if there is i'd love for our audience to like let us know what did what have you seen that's uh, a sign of patience in this episode that maybe we haven't talked about yeah but pentapox was a, a pretty big part of this episode and yeah we we don't we didn't talk about it much i don't know if we need to yep. it existed um we've got a special voicemail so we're gonna take a quick break but then at least three fans we have at least three fans at least three of them. And so, You're not um, getting mad at him for whispering? No. Rude. He's being very patient with me. Um, we have a voicemail, so we're going to listen to that. Uh, our voicemail comes from Julie. You have reached the voicemail box of... Bending, not breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, uh, my name is Julie Katz. I was calling in because I've really been enjoying Bending, Not Breaking. I think it's a really neat take on Avatar and I'm really enjoying how the podcast 
is like a lot of fun and like wackiness, but it also goes into some very serious themes and takes some moments from the show in like a more serious way. Uh, I was calling because I had a question that I wanted to ask in advance of the Cave of Two Lovers episode. Um, I know that this is the first episode, or maybe it's not, but it, I think it's the first one where Zuko um, takes on the identity of Lee, who is a member of the Earth Kingdom. And I had just started re-watching this show, and one thing I realized was that Zuko has parts of his different identities that are, in a way, kind of like correspond with the different elements because he has the blue spirit identity and the blue spirit is kind of watery because it's blue and it's him when he's in um, almost like antagonism or opposition with General Zhao. And it's also this spirit kind of creature or entity that's very playful and mischievous so it's like a bit of a combination of water and air and then when he's Lee he is you know adopting more of an earth identity and that's an identity that he remains in for a sustained period of time um, not even with a mask or anything it's just his acting I guess is improvisation and um I don't know. It was, I just found it very interesting. I know that this becomes, you know, is something of a theme throughout Avatar of people assuming different identities. And sometimes they do it because they're on the run. And sometimes it's like with Toph, which we'll get to, um, you know, a way of expressing a part of yourself. But I was interested in what you all have to say about that. Um, do you think there's anything to the way that Zuko's identities are like, a bit there's a bit of air and there's a bit of water and there is a bit of earth now that we're seeing him take on um do you have any thoughts about just these like this sort of disguises and adopted identities in general as something that happens a lot and um finally i was drawing kind of like a connection in my head with the idea of the avatar himself or herself depending on the incarnation as someone who is supposed to be, um, you know, able to move many different elements and then also coming off of many different lifetimes and sort of having different identities within themselves, if that has anything you could draw into that general theme. So, um, Anyways, I just want to say I've really enjoyed the podcast. Um, I'm interested to see what directions it's going in. And um, thank you so much. Wow, Julie, I am in awe of your voicemail. I am just really grateful that you were able to share so many insightful questions with us that hopefully we can do justice for you and uh, attempt to answer. And I can't guarantee that we'll answer it perfectly, but we will do our best. Be patient with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So there's two things that really came to mind while your voicemail was playing. And the first thing is there's a really cool uh, personality profile. It's uh, called Larry Beth Jones profi personality profile. It's called the elements profile. And literally, Every person has a little bit of these four elements within them. And it's, you guessed it, earth, fire, wind, and water. And so the only difference is that instead of calling it wind, that 
the Avatar series calls it air. And so to me, it's really interesting to uh, see how each of us within us has all of the elements. And some people have a, potentially a little bit of an imbalance. Some people might be very water-based and very little earth. Or some people might be a mixture of all four, right? And um, it's just interesting to think about how all of that plays in. And so just FYI, I'm a fusion, so I'm all four. I'm kind of like the avatar. I have an equal balance of all four of them. Sunshine, what were you? Uh, everything but earth was when I took that. Uh, which, to be fair, though, like to kind of go into the elements and where people lie, my natural tendency tends to be more wind than anything else. Big picture stuff, like crazy ideas. Let's go ride a roller coaster and very like um, all over the place. But Kind of like Aang in the intro. Right. Very well, like let's go penguin sledding. Like that's very much my personality. Um, but I've definitely worked on the earth side of that since I took that test um, a while back and became stronger in my administrative skills and paying attention to the details and so for me when i was listening to julie's question thank you so much for sending it in um was there is that fusion of all of us of like different elements and you can learn to master different things that you might not be strong in when you first started or um you might need to figure out how to rein some things back and so for me zuko does play a very like different person with each of his assumed identities um yeah, I feel like he's very grounded and down to earth when he's uh, with the refugees in the second episode, um, and I think that that really is part like it's part of it. But you see that he's also very scared of that because that it's a very vulnerable moment for him. Well, I think it's a part of himself that he's not sure how to deal with. Like he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't know and understand that part of himself yet because he hasn't allowed himself to experience it. Well, right, and there's there's. A lot of vulnerability in that open conversation that Absolutely. he has to have with that. And so part of it, and we've talked about this in the mask episode when we first encountered the blue spirit, was a lot of like, do we assume masks that are our true identity, but we have to hide that most of our times, um, so we treat them as a mask, or do we use mask as in the way that I engage in my professional setting, which may not be my most authentic self, or in the way that I uh, engage with my friends uh, and how that looks out or in social settings. And so I think there is a little bit of, are you picking up social cues and things that you feel like you have to change yourself to fit into situations when really we hope that we're changing situations so that people can step into them in an authentic manner? Yeah. And so th that kind of brings me to my second point, uh, Julie, and that is from a quote from one of my favorite authors. Her name is Brene Brown. You might have heard of her. Uh, and the quote is, the irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories to appear more whole or more acceptable, but our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all of our experiences, including the falls. And to me, that's kind of an analogy where our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, depends on the integration of all of our, quote, elements, uh, and so how do we integrate all of these different elements into our lives to become more wholehearted? And to me, the reason Zuko's redemption arc is so phenomenal is because we see him living in one element and experience all of them as you describe in these different identities and slowly become, he slowly integrates them all into the Zuko that we see later on. And I think that's a phenomenal transformation and it's one of the, probably the best redemption arcs in history of television 
I'm saying it. No, I would agree. Um, this really one of the things that this really did play out for me is personality tests, and we talked about the elements personality profile. But there's so many out there, yeah, and tons. I think that they can be really cool, and you can pull a lot of information from them. They can also be kind of detrimental depending on how you're using that information. There's a, there's tests out there that say these are your top strengths, right? These are your five strengths, and so you should really focus on those. And I think that that can be cool if you're saying, all right, if I'm a connector with other people. How do I use that to benefit the world around me? But people can also take those same tests and say, oh, well, this test said I wasn't creative, so I, I'm not creative and I'm never going to be creative. And I think that can be a disservice to yourself if you, if you do that because I think creativity is a muscle and that's something you can work well, on. Well, it's even what you said already with the elements. You said you're the you're the you're uh, you're everything but earth, but you said right after that you've done a lot of work to bring more earth into your life. Absolutely. And I think that's the key. That's the whole point of personality profiles is to help us see where our strengths lie and to help us become more. It's not saying it's not trying to box you in. It's trying to show you where you are now so that you can grow to become something more. And so that's the point. Don't let it box you in. Right. We've had we had a supervisor that we shared in the past that that was her issue with all personality profiles was it's going to put you in a box when people by nature shouldn't be put into a box. Like we categorize, agree, yeah. we categorize people because it's uncomfortable for us to not categorize them. But in the reality, you really shouldn't be. Like there's people can play in many different categories, have many different strengths, have many different personality um, uh, elements, if you want to call it. Um, and so for us, it's be your true authentic self, regardless of if that's part water, part air, part fire or no fire or no earth but be your best most authentic self and do whatever you can to help the people around you i think would be my takeaway from that i agree um we so thank you uh, just thank you so much for again for calling in again if you have any comments concerns questions ideas things that you saw in past episodes where you were like uh i saw this all completely different way or when i watch this episode i really look at it through a lens of x y and z email us the at gmail.com just drop us a voice memo and we would love to to have you on a future episode um and then that's, can't wait to meet you yeah we have at least three fans let's have four next week i wonder if we can do it i hope so yeah but thank you julie um as we wrap up, we always talk about the lens of whatever we're looking at through the element of the episode. This week's element is air, and we're looking through patience. Ben, this week, what is something that you are looking to do or wanting to work on to better yourself or the world around you uh, through patience with the element of air in mind? And if you want to recap air, feel free. It's been a, it's been episodes since we've done it. It has been. So okay, time. okay. So time air So again, take a minute just to think about what air means to you. For me, it's you know, wind, it's windy, it can be gusty, it can also be something like I think about the breath. I think about so much in terms of what air can be. It's uh it's literally something that is constantly within us. It's something that we constantly expel, breathe in. Um it can be howling, it can be as uh terrible as a hurricane but it can be as light as a gentle breeze so lots of extremes when it comes to air and i think that's what's really interesting about it so for me i'm gonna go and take the obvious route with air and patience and that to me is breathing we talked about on a previous episode tactical breathing and what that kind of looks like um it's take a breath for four 
Hold your breath for four. Exhale for four. Hold your breath for four. And then repeat. And so there's so much data and science that tells us the importance and the necessity of tactical breathing, yogic breathing. It's called so many different things, mindful breathing. Everybody calls it a different thing. But in general, that's the general idea. That was redundant. Anyway, I think to me, taking a breath, sitting with that is going to help me be more patient in the future. So anytime I notice that boundary changing from patience to impatience, that's my cue to breathe. It's also a great way to fall asleep, the tactical breathing. It's one of my favorite ways to, I think I do it for like two minutes and then I forget that I'm doing it and I'm out. Huh. Yeah. A little side note, tangent for you. It's like counting sheep, except you're counting breaths. And that's exactly what it is. I don't like sheep. Kind of weird looking and not comforting. Not yeah, but, something I want to sleep thinking yeah, about. But wool is so warm. And scratchy. It's also itchy. Yeah. I think wool is... Uh, so air is flan- in your life. Is flannel wool or is flannel... That's its own separate material. I'm going to ignore my segue back to the... I'm going to go okay. back to it, but I'm curious about wool now. <laughs> is like flannel like... like Is it wool or is it... It's like a square and a rectangle type of situation. Like not all flannel is wool, but all wool is flannel. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I don't think that's right. That's science. Someone look that up while I talk about my next thing. I was just looking it up. I don't know if that's true anyways um for me uh i'm gonna go back to kind of that idea of that i i my hope is to really create culture changes in in what i do um and to make sure that i'm creating positive change but in a in a in a lasting way um and i a lot of the times want that done faster than would be sustainable i think for change to be positive and sustainable and um one that's systemic then it needs to it, it'll take a little bit of time and so for me it's it's being patient in that um and so taking these big ideas or big cultural changes that i want to implement in the things that i do and understanding that that's going to create i have to create buy-in around that i have to then model it myself on a regular basis i have to help show others why that's a positive thing i have to get feedback on why it might be not be as positive as i think it is and it goes back and forth like that until finally you realize two years down the road, three years down the road, that like this program, this environment has changed culturally, if that makes sense, um, or if that's clear. But I think that's kind of where I'm sitting is just consistently reminding myself that things take time to change um, and being patient and okay with that. According to Wikipedia, flannel is a soft woven fabric of various fineness. Flannel was originally made from carded wool or worsted yarn, but is now often made from either wool, cotton, or synthetic fiber. Vegetable flannel is made from Scott's pine fiber. I'm sorry, what? Flannel may be brushed to create extra softness or remain unbrushed. I'll stop there. It's about time for flannel sheets to hit the bed. It's pretty cold now. It's pretty chilly where we are. Max, yeah. are you a fan of flannel sheets? They're fine. I disagree. I think they're marvelous. Max seems so blasé about like everything. I want him to. I my goal for next week and for next episode is for us to have a little bit more fun with Max, for him to to really feel like he's enjoying our time. Um, I enjoy our time, Max, but I want you to have fun too. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ben's Not Breaking. <laughs> really, truly appreciate it. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I am Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt, and thank you for listening. Bye bye.